No one likes to feel stuck, especially by your cloud. But the IBM cloud is the most open and secure public cloud for business. It can manage all your apps and data anywhere. Smart loves problems. IBM, let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash flexible. This is The Sporting Life on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Here's Jeremy Schaap. And this week, as there often is in the world of sports, we've heard a lot of talk about injuries, their significance, their severity, and we have an expert joining us now to talk about sports injuries and the way in which treatment of sports injuries has actually changed the way that medicine is practiced. We welcome to the show Dr. Jonathan Gelber. His new book is Tiger Woods' Back and Tommy John's Elbow, Injuries and Tragedies that Transform Careers, Sports, and Society. Dr. Gelber, thank you for being with us. Thanks for having me on. When you say sports injuries and tragedies that have transformed society, what do you mean? Each story in this book focuses on a different athlete, and some of the athletes are Tiger Woods, Tommy John, Len Bias, Hank Gathers, Dooku Kim, Lyle Alzado, Dale Earnhardt. So each of these athletes that we know the stories of the athletes, there's neither an injury or a tragedy that affected their life, not only affected their life, but also affected the sport. And then where this book differs from other books that have looked at these stories before is that we actually look at the unintended consequences of these injuries or these tragedies and how they have affected society as a whole, because the story didn't stop with the injury, the story didn't stop with the sport. Each one of these actually affects society as a whole, whether it's the courtroom, whether it's HIV testing, whether it's you know the the rule books, you know even epidemics of youth sports injuries. A lot of these can all be traced back to these very specific instances of sports injuries or tragedies. And uh, of course, let, let's talk about a few of them. Uh, you, you mentioned Magic Johnson. Uh, people who are old enough to have been paying attention in 1991 when he made that announcement that he was HIV positive, and at that point we are less than a decade into the AIDS crisis. Uh, I remember where I was. Um, we assumed that it was a death sentence for Magic Johnson, and of course here we are now, 28 years later, and he seems to be doing very well. Um, Physically, how did the Magic Johnson story change the way we perceive uh, those who have uh, been infected uh, with HIV and the way that the disease was treated? So the story with Magic is one where we can actually look back at the medical literature, which as a doc was sort of interesting to me that I could go and look at actual studies about Magic Johnson's announcement. So at the time a lot of the HIV clinics were recording testing rates for different demographic groups. And they were able to look at when he made his announcement and look at the testing rates before and after his announcement. And there's an actual effect. There's a real magic effect. When he makes his announcement, testing rates of all different demographics go up. But then a lot of them quickly went back down. And the only one that actually persisted for a longer period of time was for those who are white, male, heterosexual, and under the age of 40 which if you look for the risk of HIV, that was actually the least likely group to have HIV. The group that still today has one of the highest rates of HIV risk and infection is the black African-American female. And so while Magic's celebrity effect was real, it was actually his wife, Cookie, whose face and voice were probably 
what we needed to focus on. So while the magic effect was real and it was good, it was actually the Cookie Johnson effect that I think we should have focused more on back then. Hey, and, and, you know, just to um, unpack that a little bit, uh, you know, Cookie, uh, we were told at the time, I mean, no reason doubt, was not HIV positive. So um, how did that element of the story affect the way that, you know, people decided to get treated or not treated, tested or not treated, tested, I should say? Yeah, I mean, that, that, the, the Cookie Johnson story was, is a real emotional story. So Magic makes his announcement, and his wife, his new wife, is also pregnant with their child. Mm-hmm. So not only does Magic have to worry about him, but now he has to worry about his wife and his unborn child being infected. And so it took a little while to get the test results back, and fortunately neither the wife nor the child were infected, which that's a great story. And just like magic being around today is a great story, but it's also a double-edged sword because people look around and they see magic and they see someone who has HIV but doesn't have the AIDS syndrome and they think, well, that could be everybody and that's not always the case. And so his his face, his beaming, smiling face is almost a double-edged sword. It raises awareness, but it also makes people less worried about contracting the disease. And a lot of those studies where there were changes in attitudes following Magic's announcement didn't always necessarily translate into changes in risky behavior. We're speaking with Dr. Jonathan Gelber. His new book is Tiger Woods' Back and Tommy John's Elbow, Injuries and Tragedies that Transform Careers, Sports, and Society. Um, Anybody who follows baseball especially knows that uh, beginning with Tommy John and the surgery that Frank Joe pioneered back then to uh, to repair his arm, uh, changed the course of baseball history. Guys whose careers uh, would have been over, um, you know, got a second chance. In terms of Tiger Woods' back, uh, which we just heard from him this week saying, you know, he was in more pain this year than we knew, uh, that he was suffering uh, for much of the year. Um, how did Tiger Woods' back situation um, have a larger impact? Sure. So Tiger's story is sort of twofold. So there's the, his back itself, the anatomy, and the difference about his back versus his other injuries, like his knee, like his Achilles, is he's able to power through those before. So he could just basically grimace, get through the pain, get the ball down the fairway, and deal with the pain after he shot the ball. With the back, he wasn't even able to start his swing. And so he had multiple surgeries. He even had a fusion at a level, which decreases some of the rotation, so he's not able to turn his back as far to generate as much momentum. And he's also now stressing those bone joints above and below the fusion. So I think what Tiger was saying, I I can exactly see why that's an issue, because I don't think he's going to have the longevity to play as much as he did, as many tournaments as he did in the past. I think he needs to be more selective. We've seen he can do it when we saw the Masters, and that was a great, great story in his his book there but i think he's got to be more selective he can't play as many tournaments because there's just only so much wear and tear his back can have and so that's one story but the society story is actually the pain medicine story so tiger needed pain medicine to get through his knee injury he needed pain medicine to get through his back injury and not only did he need pain medicine but he was also combining that with xanax or benzodiazepines 
And that combination is actually quite deadly. And we all know we have an opioid epidemic. But just as equally dangerous is the combination of those opioids with the benzodiazepines. Mm. And so when, Mad, uh, when Tiger was found on the side of the road in Jupiter, Florida, by the police, two of the four substances in his blood were the pain medicine and the benzos. And having professional athletes addicted to pain medicine is a story we don't talk about. There's a, a study we talk, I talk about in the book where they went through the NFL players directory and basically called and surveyed retired NFL players. And it was shocking how many of them were addicted to pain medicine that started just trying to get through their careers in the NFL. And, and it's amazing. We're speaking again with Dr. Jonathan Gelber. His new book is Tiger Woods is Back and Tommy John's Elbow. You know, because um, it was a long time ago when Brett Favre, uh, I thought, courageously announced the world that he uh, was struggling with addiction to painkillers, Vicodin specifically. He was at the time the most famous player in professional football. And he, uh, you know, he, he he talked about it. Um, he was vulnerable about it. And you would think that that would have created space for people to uh, to be honest about it and confront the problem head on. But that's not really what happened, was it? No, and unfortunately, I mean, that's a conversation that we haven't really had. Now, we're talking at least nationally about the opioid epidemic, but we're not talking about what's been in professional sports for quite some time. And when Brett Favre came out and he raised awareness not only of that, but also concussion as well. I mean, that was Mm -hmm. several years before we really started to focus on concussions in the NFL. And so that conversation is a real one. And, And Brett's lucky because... If he has a support system around him because of his wealth and his star status, but there's so many more guys that don't have that support system around them. And then when they leave professional sports, they lose their identity. They are no longer a football player or they're no longer you know, an athlete in that sport. And so now they've lost their identity. They're addicted to pain medicine and they don't really have a good support system to turn to. Speaking with Dr. Jonathan Gelber and his new book, again, is Tiger Woods is Back and Tommy John's Elbow. And uh, some fascinating stuff here about the ways in which injuries and tragedies that have occurred in sports have had a bigger impact on society at large, on medicine in general. And, you know, when I think about public health issues, here we are in 2019, something that's on a lot of people's minds, obviously. You know, it, it starts with um, Mike Webster and Bennett Amalu and the work done at BU with doctors McKee, Cantu, and Stern about head trauma, the cases of Andre Waters and Dave Dewars and Tom McHale, we could go on and on, have, have done so much to change the perception in this country, not only about football and playing football and the possible long-term ramifications of that, uh, but other sports as well. I mean, has there been... Uh, a public health issue more closely intertwined with specifically something coming out of sports? Well, you know, I think one of the issues that I talk about in the book that we haven't had the conversation on, and we're having a decent conversation about concussions, but the one that we never really had the conversation on was steroids, is anabolic steroids. Mm. And in the book, I use Lyle Alzada as, as a key figure in this conversation, for those who don't remember Lyle Alzada, he he's an amazing character, one of the most interesting people to read about. And he grew up in an abusive family. He, his whole mission in life was to become a protector. 
So he got big, he got strong, he protected his siblings, he protected his mother from an abusive father, and he loved children. And so he was almost a superhero, this crazy guy on the football field who unfortunately lost his temper so much there's a rule named after him, the Alzada rule, so you can't take off your helmet and try and hit your opponent with it, and thanks to Lyle Alzada. But he denied for so long that he took steroids. And steroids were prevalent in, in Venice and Muscle Beach, California. So many Hollywood folks and, and athletes were using them, and they were getting better, and they were getting stronger. And then Lyle got diagnosed with brain lymphoma. And so he finally came clean with an interview with Maria Shriver. He penned an article in Sports Illustrated saying he was sorry for lying and talking about the dangers of steroids. But he tried to link his steroids to his brain cancer, which was a very hard connection mm. to make. And so a lot of the people who were concerned about steroids looked around. They were using, they were using steroids. They were getting stronger, but nobody else was getting brain lymphoma. So that became a conversation that was almost ridiculous to them. So they, they turned their ears away. And then roid rage was the thing that we still talk about, and that is a real thing. You have increased aggression in testosterone you're on steroids, but it's more rare. The things we should be talking about, which are more common and real, are heart disease. So cardiovascular disease. So many of the, the anabolic steroid users who were using them in their 20s, about 30 years ago, are now all in their 50s. And so cardiovascular disease is a real threat to them. And so the steroid conversation is a real one. And fortunately, because we focus so much on Lyle and the brain lymphoma, the conversation was driven underground. And so we haven't yet had a good conversation about the risks of steroids. And I think that's a public health issue we should do a better job of addressing. Well, there are some fascinating uh, essays in here, um, re really interesting connections that uh, – have not been made before, let me put it that way, and the book is Tiger Woods' is Back and Tommy John's Elbow, Injuries and Tragedies that Transform Careers, Sports, and Society. The author is Dr. Jonathan Gelber. It's been a pleasure having you on the show, Dr. Gelber. Thank you so much for, for being with us and for writing this book. Thank you. It's, it's a pleasure to be on. The book is now out, and it's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Walmart's website, and your local book dealer.